Hi, it works. Thomas. Hello. Hello, welcome back to The Little Things. Today I'm joined with Thomas, who's a streamer and an executive producer for Keen and JC. I want to give a huge thanks to you for joining me on today's episode. I'm excited to talk with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be fun. Of course. How are you doing today? Um, hectic. I mean, I know it's an adjective, but there was a lot going on today. So uh, it was a bit of a busy day, but in the best way. Like, it's better to be busy than bored. Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Long day of school today. Mm. But other than that, it's going good. Nice. That's good. So before we jump into all those questions I have for you, um, we're going to start with the game. So basically, I'm going to give you a color, and you're going to give me either a song, a YouTube video you've helped create, or a Blender graphic you've made. That, okay. So whatever one comes to your mind first, you can just tell me that. So the first color I have is maroon. Ooh, maroon. I immediately went for my shirt, but that's not a thing I've created. Uh, maroon. Ooh. Does maroon feel like? Hmm. I kind of went for the most the most boring answer, but it was reality at season two. Like immediately, I think it was because I wore that shirt. I have one. My favorite shirt is like a maroon shirt, and I remember wearing it on set, and that's why. Very interesting answer. Yeah. The second color I have is teal. Teal. Okay, don't don't laugh at me. I'm blanking on what color teal looks like. I'm looking up. Oh, it's like my favorite color. I should know that. Um, oh, it is the uh, the robot. I made a robot for my Twitch stream at one point, and it had like a power source that was teal. Now, or is it something old that you had created? Uh, no. Is the uh, is that that little animation I haven't used it in a long time. I had a bunch, bunch of issues trying to utilize it, so I just didn't give up on it. But that was what I went to. Last color I have is pink. Pink. Ooh. Mm. It wasn't exactly pink, but I made a uh, unbroken animation for Oscar. And there was a bow and arrow that the Cupid was shooting in it. It was very red, but I must say pink. The first question I have for you is, what did you originally want to do growing up? And do you think that you would still do that to this day? Uh, I had a weird one. Uh, I wanted to be a tightrope walker for a while. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. I don't know where I saw it. And that made me want, but for like a decent amount of time, enough that like I was associated with it for whatever reason. I don't think I would like to be a tightrope walker anymore. Uh, for clarification, no, not my thing. Uh, I don't think Heights would agree with me. Uh, yeah. But if you had the opportunity to be a tightrope walker now, would you take that opportunity? No, I don't think so. Well, it depends. If I'm doing it, like, over, you know, something that I can hop off of. But then it's just, like, not. If you're going to be.
There we go. Now we're back. Okay. Uh, the short answer is no. I don't think I would. I don't think I would uh, give it a shot. The second thing I have is: At what part of your life did you realize you wanted to be an executive producer? Midway through being an executive producer, pretty much. I, uh, I for a while wanted to produce things like long before I was doing that for Keen and JC. Um, but I think for a lot of it, it was um, a little bit more self-serving where like I wanted to, you know, I moved up to LA to do makeup uh, at like special effects makeup. And then I wanted to do voice acting. So I always knew I wanted to do something around that creative, like creating films, stuff like that. Um, and I eventually just kind of kept running into like, I don't know what project to get onto. I don't know, you know, and I was like, I will just do my own. I'll make my own projects and that's how I'll get my own experience. And so production almost started as a necessity. Um, and I'm glad I pushed through it because for a while it felt very non-creative. Like I really wanted to do the big shiny stuff, doing the creative stuff, but I realized that the only way that you can do that is to do the boring stuff. And so I learned to like the boring stuff. Yeah. You had mentioned that you wanted to do makeup and you had done Brian's makeup on Halloween. Yeah. yeah. How was that? Like, it, did that make you realize like, oh man, I like wish I was still able to do this. Or like, are you still happy like with what you're doing now? Still very happy with what I'm doing now. I think I've always, I've bounced around from topic to topic and like I've sculpted, I've painted, I've done like a little bit of everything. And so I've learned to, and, and throughout my life, I've kind of wrestled with the guilt of dropping things I had a passion for. Cause I felt like, okay, if I'm not doing them, then I must not care about them anymore. But it's, it was more a like shifting of focus of like, I like that I, you know, dive in and do makeup for a couple of years. And then like, I won't really touch it for a while. And now I had that great feeling of like, of returning to it again and kind of doing it in a uh, low pressure environment where, you know, it's not a film set. It's not, I'm not doing it as a job almost. It was just kind of for fun, which was cool. Would you want to do that as a job now or would you rather stick with the executive producer route? I, I think my, I mean, my brain always goes to financial, right? Like executive producer. Mm -hmm. I think I'd like to stick with that in general. Um, I also really enjoy the work. I think I found like what fits my, like what hat I get to wear rather than specializing in one department. I kind of get him in a position to dabble in a bunch, which is how I function the best. But yes, I would love to do makeup on a shoot and as like an individual shoot or like be brought on to something and do something like that as a, uh, as a side project. I don't know. A, a full-time job is a whole other beast. Yeah. Uh, when you're filming with K and J, what are the hardest and easiest parts of your job? The, let me figure out how to say this without losing a job. No, <laughs> <laughs> the, the hardest part. Hmm. I would say the easiest part, and this is going to sound very cheesy, but I'll explain it, is uh, being just being myself. I think that I thrive in a very uh, semi-chaotic, very energetic, like problem-solving type environment. 
Um, I love having like sprinting to the scene, solving whatever problem we're working on, getting the gears going. Like I, I love that. Um, and so, and it helps immensely with like my anxiety because at the end of that type of day, there's no, you can't afford to be worrying about like how you're standing or what you're doing with your hands or, uh, you know, am I being awkward? There's no real like mental energy for that because it's all being focused to this bigger goal. And so it really helps like people who see me on set probably see me as myself more than people that don't. So that would be the easiest part is just kind of being myself, which is really fun. Um, the hardest part, probably that the rock that I fell on, that would be the hardest part of the K and J projects is the rock that my back had to smash into on season two of that uh, reality house. <laughs> I think an honest answer for that is the problem is I look at that as like, what's challenging, but I enjoy the challenges on set. So even when it's challenging, that's good too. You I guess just problem solving. Yeah. You mentioned that you've faced some challenges. What part of those challenges do you think might have been the hardest to overcome? Mm. Somebody's screaming outside, sorry. Uh, I guess, do you, would you like an answer in the terms of like uh, what challenges production-wise I've overcome or what challenges like uh, as a human? Uh, production. Production-wise, I think um, being able to kind of structure the creative meetings in a way that balances the, like, excitement of creative time, of coming up with ideas and uh, fun things to do and things to see with the much very needed why we might not be able to do some of those things. Um, the balancing that like very, uh, the spark of like, okay, these are some 10,000 cool things we'd like to see. And also having in mind, these are the things that you're going to need to have those actually work and why they might be viable or not viable. And walking that path, like you can't, not a lot of people can do one or the other, like just sit through a bunch of bad news about stuff that you can't do and then just do really fun creative stuff. And so you have to be able to bounce between them in a meeting and like, it's a little bit less structured than I'm used to, but I like that. Yeah. Did you ever think that you would be where you are today? No, I don't think so. I don't think I could say I, I, I wanted to, I always kind of had high goals and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to achieve them. I didn't necessarily ever see myself in any crazy positions. I definitely saw myself in production somehow making things work. Um, I think you kind of have to, so I might be 180ing this and go, yes, I feel like I have not this exact one, I don't think that I could have foreseen like who I would be working with and mm -hmm. the exact things that I get to do and stuff. Um, and definitely not the 
structure of the job I have being so well fitting to who I am, but I did always, I was like, I have to, and I think anybody should and has to be like, yeah, I'm going to be there. Like that job that I really want to do, I'm going to get there. I have to assume that I will and not, you know, second guess myself every step of the way, because if you assume that you're going to get there, every step is just getting there then rather than a, uh, like, ah, I don't know if I'll get there or not, you know? Yeah. You've set goals for yourself. Have you achieved all the goals that you have created for yourself up until now? And if you have not, what are some of the goals that you want to get prioritized and get those accomplished? No, I've def- I have definitely not achieved all the goals I have set for myself. But I always come up, I like come up with new goals as I go along too. Um but there's always been like some consistent ones. One of which I can think of at the top of my head is I want to live somewhere very quiet, somewhere nature-like in the middle of a forest, like off the beaten path. I want to really not live in a city. And I've always known that I, I thrive in a busy work environment, but I need a quiet living environment. That balance is very crucial. Um, and so that's, that's a big one that I want someday is obviously I, you know, my own, house my home with quiet areas <laughs> you had you had just said that you like living in like a quiet environment and like right when you said that I was like you're where you're living right now is not quiet because when you were streaming one time a fire truck was <laughs> in the background if you talk to Brandon every other conversation we have is me telling him about the new noise that's going on outside I wake up every day to the sound of, I don't know how they take out the trash every day, but those garbage trucks, like the sound of backing up vehicles. And my my apartment's like right there. Like there's the window and then there's the sidewalk and they are right there. And so every noise that happens out there bounces around in these walls. And man, it is noisy. So yeah, yeah. Definitely a big goal someday. If you could move somewhere quiet, what state would you want to move to? The, uh, Oregon has been the one that pops up the most. Um, I have some family that lives up there. And uh, when we did the uh, road trip, we passed through Oregon. And it was just amazing. It was gorgeous. So that would be my f- top pick, I guess. As an executive producer, what is it like and how did you get started? Um, a lot of luck and a lot of stress. Uh, it's, it was a lot of luck in how I got to the position I have. I, um, back in season one, I was shown the reality house season one. And while watching it, I kind of just on a whim, I was like, you know what? I'm going to send a message to these guys. I think like they have a really good format here. I think that there's something here, something more. Uh, and so I shot uh, Kean and JC a message on Instagram, just like shot in the dark. And I was like, hey, I like the show. I think it's amazing. I think you got like something really cool here. Uh, I, if you ever want or need help expanding on it and getting like getting it more formal on, on that end or something, something along those lines of like, if you need help, I've done some stuff. And the stuff that I had said that I did, I was just like, I've worked on some projects which is like fancy term for I've made a bunch of stuff. So there's that, like I've done my own stuff. Um, 
And sure enough, as I was crossing the street to go to the job that I had at the time, I got the message back, uh, them asking what I had worked on, which then I admitted was pretty much my own stuff. But I had also had, I'd been pulled to direct something at the time. Um, so I was able to sit down and have a meeting with them, got, you know, signed on board and started working to organize pretty much, if I could summarize it in one sentence, just organize reality house season two it was pretty much it. It was just make sure like, what do we need to make this a reality merge the creative and the actual real world? How do we do that? Um, and then ever since I've been coming back to projects, giving it my all and rising up. You had mentioned that you helped construct reality house season two. What was that like? And how many challenges did you have to face going through that? It was really fun. I, I, there was the learning curves involved on, I was used to projects that I worked on my, for myself. So I was limited on my, on my budget in some ways. I was limited on resources in other ways. And a lot of it was kind of MacGyvering a, a short film together. And on this one, it was a lot more of, we were allowed to have bigger ideas than I was used to. And I think in the beginning, I felt very, I still deal with this once in a while, but I felt very um, out of my element and worried like imposter syndrome of like, oh shoot, okay, I'm on board. Now can I put like, can I really deliver on what I said I could deliver? Um, and there was a lot of that. That would be the biggest challenge was kind of having that bit of doubt in my mind that would kind of yell at me in the back, back of my head a little bit. And then, you know, ultimately going either way, I have to try. Like, even if I am out of my depth, I got to go down with the ship then. Like, I got to give it my all. Uh, yeah. Do you think that making your own projects before this, like, it helped you in a way, like, kind of get an idea of what you would be doing for Reality House Season 2? Uh, absolutely. I think having to deal with, like, the realities of, of what a, a shoot looks like and what um, and I had a lot of great friends. I used to work at Universal Studios and like a bunch of them are actors, filmmakers. There's a bunch of great people and we would like consistently work on different projects and you get to pick up a lot of information from a lot of people. And as time goes on, you know, you, you start to figure out how to do a, a shot list or how to do a call sheet or all of those little things that are very, very important. Um, and then that leads you up to, okay, how do we make this happen? You know, you recently started streaming on Twitch as a hobby. How has that been going, and what are some challenges you face on that platform? Well, <laughs> it's been going. Uh, I think my last stream was like a month ago, not less than a month ago, but still a decent while ago. It's definitely something that has been on the on the fringes of my capabilities if that makes sense I've, I've kind of prioritized the executive producer and producing other things in that circle and then twitch has kind of been a uh, for a while when i have time to dive in and do something creative that's it's kind of like a i don't know if you ever watch ncis but there's a, it, a lot of characters have the same trope where it's like, it's this guy that just works on a boat. You know, he just, he's continually working on this boat. That's like the end of the day when you come home from work, 
start sanding the boat the next day painting the boat like that that's what i see that as is like when i have time and i am looking to be creative that is a creative outlet i can turn it to and go okay how do i now produce myself and how do i add to this and make this cool but unfortunately it's also the one of the first things i have to dial back when i have to manage my energy and go okay i only have so much of me where do i direct this to go and twitch kind of unfortunately loses the uh gets the short straw on that sometimes out of all the streams that you've done what are some of your favorite things to do on twitch oh oh gosh uh gang beast i mean that's got to be a top one gang beast is amazing ask brandon i really like the chat interactive ones the new drawy i really enjoy because i like to i like to draw and everybody likes to guess so that's really cool um I like a lot of the chat interaction stuff. Those are really cool. And I think that's really what Twitch is there for is like, Hey, there's your audience interacted directly with them. And I think that's really cool. You had streams named Blender Nights where you make amazing graphics. What inspired you to start creating those? And what is your favorite thing that you've created so far? Honestly, I feel like I dived into Blender out of sheer stubbornness. I, was really tired of like I just kept whittling down like editing wise you know if, if Brennan and I shot some like at the the roommate uh hitman roommate and I would have to I would go in and I really enjoyed learning the doing the magic of like adding in the bullet shot and you know putting in the, the muzzle flare and like all of those after effects things I really enjoyed but I kept hitting a limit and it was like okay you can track this onto the wall um but you have to have a good track um, or you can have a completely 3d scene. That's entirely controllable. You control where the lights are and what are the wallpaper is. And I liked how much of a world you could make in blender and how much you kind of had control over everything rather than just a piece of it. Um, and so I just dived into it and boy, it was tough in the beginning because it's just a lot of shortcuts to learn, but, once I powered through that and once you can kind of start, I think that's kind of like the creative curve in general is in the beginning. If you want to be artistic about something in the beginning, there's, you have to learn it. Like you're, mm -hmm. it's not going to just instantly be in there. And so you have to go through this phase where you might not like the, what you're producing creatively. You might not think it's on par with what you want to be thinking and what you someday will, but you have to go through that learning curve before you then you can really unleash the artist stuff and i'm still learning i think anybody who does that type of thing you still learn but i freaking like blender a lot what's your favorite thing that you've created on there my brother's uh my brother and sister-in-law's wedding video um i made a 3d scene where the ring, I, I actually took a video of her ring and completely remade it in Blender, like down to each little diamond where it should go and each part of the ring. So it was identical to hers. Um, I made like a fish bowl because my brother has a big aquarium. He's always been a big fish aquarium guy. Uh, like the hook comes down and it grabs the ring and it yanks it up out of the water and then it flies up through the air and there's the... Uh, the pictures of them as like Polaroids that it kind of flies through. And I think that was That's the most really dynamic cool. thing I made. Thank you. I think that was my favorite. I, I like that one. 
when you were talking about um like the learning curve with blender it kind of like makes like i understand like what you're saying because like i do art and at first like when i started i was so upset with what i was creating because i didn't know how to do it and then the more like i practiced with it i was able to like figure out like okay i like this kind of style but like sometimes i'll be like okay yeah this drawing i'm working on like i'm not gonna come back and touch it because i just know that it's not gonna come out the way i want it to yeah absolutely what are your favorite parts about streaming and being an executive producer favorite part about streaming is social interaction for sure um i definitely feel like i am I'm an introvert, but I, and so I don't, I don't get out too much, but I do like that I can then interact and there's people that are talking and it's just, it's a really great way to kind of find a middle ground there where I might be stressed in a, like a social interaction, but there's something there to kind of facilitate not being as, as anxious about it. So I like that a lot. And as an executive producer, I just like making stuff. I like solving problems. I love solving problems. I think that if you really value the, if you, if you like solving problems, that takes away some of the negativity that comes with the problems. I think there's a lot, like a lot of times what separates a like, if I was good at my job or bad is if there's a lot of problems that come up, there's a lot of things that need solutions. And if you're confronted with them and the first thing that you feel is like, I, that's too much. I can't, that's too big a problem. I can't solve it. If you value getting over the problems or finding solutions as like the top tier thing, when you see a problem, it's not as much a barrier as it is a challenge. It's just, here's another opportunity to get that reward. Here's another opportunity to overcome the challenge and find a solution that works and, and make sure that this machine is running as smoothly as it can. Um, that's my favorite part of it. When you do like, when you guys start projects and you're doing your executive producer, what are some of the things that you typically do during that day? Each day is a little bit different. It depends on kind of what the tasks are but I would say really, really long meetings, like very long meetings, like six hour meetings and uh, dealing with a lot of the, the creative going through uh, what we wanna see as conceptual versus how do we make that happen? What are the resources we're gonna need for that? Um, kind of outlining really goes from the skeleton of like, what do we, what's the concept? It's very loose at the beginning few ideas bouncing around and then you start holding on to different ideas and you're like, okay, we're going to keep this one, get rid of this one. And going through that after that, it's a lot of contacting places, getting quotes for things, getting, uh, you know, putting together budgets. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, finding people, resources that are needed. Um, yeah. Occasionally getting to do some cool 3d stuff for them too. So that's cool too. You created the graphic for House Invaders. Yes, what was your yeah. favorite part about creating that? Um, God, my favorite part of that one was, I, I think I really got to animate them in a fun way because they were like two little, like little eight bit characters. 
Um, and animation is very intimidating. Uh, three, especially 3D animation is very intimidating. And so having a little 8-bit character that kind of was really cool. So I could like start out baby steps, baby steps. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone aspiring to be an executive producer? Start now. Start producing stuff. I think uh, if you wait for other people to start something, you're going to wait too long. You can, you know, if you have a phone and an idea, you can do something. If Just start getting practice. That way you're prepared when bigger challenges come because it's always, there's always going to be, if you're moving in the right direction, you're continually coming up against challenges that are bigger than you're used to. And so the, the thing that really gives you confidence in those situations is coming up against more and more and more. And especially on a smaller scale, you get to control those variables and, you know, figure out how to set up a, a shot list, even if you don't have any shots to do. It's just good things to know. Uh, yeah. When people say, like, executive producer, like, I know that, like, there's different, like, parts of, like, doing that. So the parts that you do do, are they different than, like, is it, like, behind the scenes stuff? Or is it, like, I don't know, like, the word I'm trying to look for. Like, yeah, are you doing a lot of stuff, like, behind the scenes? Majority of it, I would say, is, well, that stuff. Because I, I, I would say a majority of the work is done behind the scenes. It's, you know, months of planning at its, at its best. It should be months and months of planning. And most of that is the work. And then you have a big spike on set. I am not a standard executive producer. I like to be running around doing things on set. I really enjoy like having tasks. And I think mo most of the time a standard executive producer on set on set doesn't really do as much. The job isn't as like physically intense because the job there is to maintain production on site and make sure, you know, things are flowing, make sure the P head PA is managing the PAs efficiently, make sure that we're on filming time. Like that's kind of what it comes down to. And it's a little bit more passive of a job, I guess I would say, but which I don't necessarily like. I really like doing things. Um, but yeah, it also, a majority of it as an executive producer is behind the scenes is getting people who need to be in contact in contact, following up to make sure that they were in contact, getting contracts delivered, getting all that fun stuff. So what you do right now is basically what I want to try and do in the future. So like, as a high school student, starting out like creating different like films, what are the next steps that I should take to get better at what I'm doing? Um, it's a good question. It, a lot of it depends on what you want to produce. If you want to even post content or if you just need to do it for practice or um, I think I found a lot of motivation posting it because it kind of gives you the payoff of like I've worked on this thing and then it gets to be public. Um, but honestly, building a team is a huge part of it. Anytime you can't make anything by yourself. And so having friends and actively looking for people also in that same scope that want to do the same thing that are um, willing and able to kind of commit to that and go rise with you and kind of grow that because that helps a lot having a group of people having a person much less a group of people that uh, are on the same page and know how you guys work together as a team is giant
You helped film Reality House season two and three. What are the most memorable things about filming and what was like the, not challenging, but like the thing that like stood out to you the most and was like, wow, I didn't think this was going to like work out the way that it was. I would say season two would have to be falling off the chair, almost breaking Dom's neck for the first part, the most memorable. Uh, and the most challenging on that one was setting up the claw. There was a claw machine that like comes down, it picks up the person, they go around, they pick up a bunch of balls oh, yeah. and try to hold on to them. Um, that's a pretty serious piece of hardware and um, it needed to be on completely even ground. And uh, that meant that I was up, gosh, I was up at like 2.45 cause it got there at like 3 a.m. And just started setting up the place that we were going to have them set up was not even enough, like an even ground, which we thought it would be. So we had to try and relocate it. The only other area was where the RV, which had a bunch of the crew that were sleeping in there, sleeping in there. So we had to move the RV with a bunch of people sleeping in there. And then they set up, uh, they started to set up, but, the problem was that wasn't going to be even either. I think we ended up having to go, we went to like Home Depot at like 5, 5 a.m. and loaded up with, um, what are those called? Pallets, like the pallets, uh, yeah. just like wood squares. And they put it under there so it was, it was level. And then I remember we had, it was so dark, we had to move one of my lights out there, like, uh, just like a light on a stand and that fell and broke. So it was just so much all at once. And, but it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> I think season three, I'm trying to think of what I can tell you too, because some memorable things in season three that you'll have to find out. <laughs> Super secrets. Yes. Very big secrets. Yeah. Out of all the things you've helped film, what has been your favorite? Yeah. Rally on season three. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's also the most recent, but it just was like absolutely wild um, in some of the best ways. And I think like really proud of how it turned out and really happy with the onset experience we had as well. How long did it take to film Reality House season three? It's five, uh, we were out there for seven days. We had a full day set up. It was five days of shooting though. Yeah. Being in quarantine, what have been some of the biggest challenges you faced as a person? And did anything positive come out of it? And if not, what were the positive things that happened to you during quarantine? Being, quarantine was rough for me. I'll tell you that. Uh, just before COVID hit, um, my roommates let me know like a month in advance that they were moving out. We had a two bedroom. So I was in there. I was supposed to be moving into a one bedroom that was in the same apartment complex with uh, my ex at the, at the time we were together. We were going to move in there. And then my the manager kind of lied and said it was available when it wasn't. So I was stuck in that two bedroom at the much higher cost for a month. 
uh, and it would have been longer, but I ended up just leaving and couch crashing for a good portion of 2020. Yeah, uh, the year's a blur. Uh, I spent some time on uh, Brandon's couch. I spent some time on JC's couch and I spent some time on Kean's couch. Um, technically there was an airbed there, so there was that. Um, and at towards the end of 2020, um, uh, my relationship ended. I, I broke up with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, that was after I had moved into this place. So I had uh, the place myself, which kind of threw me is rough. If you're couch crashing, that's one thing you're kind of with other people that can kind of help. But at the same time, I think it was a bit of a blessing because it did just kind of aggressively push me into this place where it was just me. You know, I was out of a relationship. It was a five-year relationship. So like dealing with the aftermath of that and refiguring out who I was, I got to do it in kind of a very pure area, which it's just me. Like there's nobody else I need to filter to be around or uh, anything like that. So I, as tough as that was, I think it also was necessary. Yeah. If you had attend, if you attended college, what did you major in? And if you didn't attend college, what did you wish that you majored in? I, I went to community college for a couple of years down in Oceanside before I moved up to LA and I went to community college up in LA at Glendale for a couple of years as well. I started trying, I never really figured it out. I ended up dropping out. Uh, long story short, I ended up dropping out, but mm -hmm. they, I didn't figure out, started in like kind of makeup theater, went into like the theater, did that for a little bit. Then when I moved up to LA, I started dipping more into the drawing and animation. And I kind of fell off of that. I, I kind of kicked myself for that because I do, they have some amazing resources there for animation and computers and stuff like that. I wish I'd taken a little bit more advantage of it, but it is what it is. And then, yeah, then I just, I, I dropped out and started producing. As someone who's creating an impact in the world and people's lives, what is something that you hope to accomplish with that? Dang, that's a big statement. Uh, I hope, I hope to actively learn and listen to become and therefore live by an example of being a kinder person. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I just hope, I just want people to be kinder, uh, a little more sympathy in the world, never hurt nobody. Your Twitch community, did you think that, like, what were when you started, like, streaming first off, did you even think that you were going to build a community off of that? And once you did start building a community, did you did it turn out the way that you were hoping it did? Yeah, I, I started Twitch after I really knew, like, the friend group knew, um, not just Kian and JC, but everybody at the C4 house, everybody in the friend group in general. Um, and so I did deal with it. A, and I think I probably started a little later because of this. I was very aware that just being in that circle meant that there was going to be attention on me right off the bat. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to a make them feel like they're being used for that. And I wanted to 
kind of do it in a responsible way where it was like, I'm, I'm, I wanted to be conscious that that was going to probably happen. And that by being in that group and playing the games with them and being like streaming at the same time, like that's going to grow my audience faster than if somebody who just started and does not have those contacts would. And so I always kind of feel conscious of that. And I want to like, even when I give advice to new Twitch streamers and stuff, I always try to preface it by like, I was very lucky. Like I, I did not grow this myself. You know, part of it was me being me and I get to take credit for that, but also it was this amazing friend group and I had already gotten to see how they, how their fans interacted with them and the positive feedback that they get and the positive fans that they have. And so I was, I was like, I hope I get that too. And sure enough, it, it worked out that way. And it's, it's just been amazing people since. It's really great to hear. Thank you for your time, Thomas. I'm so glad you were able to join me today. Um, it's such a fun time talking with you. So those who are watching or listening, make sure to follow Thomas on his social media platforms at Thomas John, John Thomas. You can go John Thomas, John, John Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having You're me. Welcome. This was an absolute blast. I'll have the episode up on my podcast platforms and then I can send you the link for that. Yes, please. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye.